This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. So today's discussion is going to be around how we can use data in our pitches to get better results for your clients, get the media's attention, get them to say yes. Uh, I have my magic mind. Again, I'm going to tell you guys about this in a little bit, but I am loving magic mind. Um, I'll tell you more about it. It's pretty awesome and it tastes really good. And we'll dive into today's topic. Okay. Um, and this is a cool thing because this was chatted about in our Facebook group. And when we posted that we're having this discussion, we got a lot of great responses. We've included some of these here so that we can bring in other people's voices and, and hear how they're leveraging data in their pitches. Um, okay, diving right in. We know that what we're doing with PR and the reason that AI cannot take over what we do is because we are sending pitches that will strike an emotional chord with the audiences that our clients are trying to connect with. But we cannot always lean just on emotion to craft a really killer pitch. We need other information to back up the concepts, the stories, the angles, the opinions, the perspectives that we're sharing. So we're seeing more and more data-driven pitches um, and stories becoming relevant and popular in the media. So um, you don't, it's pretty common sense that, you know, data will help drive people's decision-making, but don't discount this as a strategy because it is a super powerful way to grab the media's attention, land high impact placements for clients, and make you look like a hero, which is what we want for you. So we're going to dive into all things data-driven PR, what it is, why you need to use it in um, the pitches that you're crafting for your clients, and how you can include data in regular client reports. What even is data-driven PR? It's exactly what it sounds like. PR pitches, campaigns, strategies that are based on cold hard data. The data that you're looking at can come from studies your client has conducted themselves. Uh, maybe it's customer surveys, um, like customer sentiment, or um, we are now seeing uh, social listening on our preferred platform, Prowly, we are a Prowly ambassador. We love it. And they're always improving and they're using AI and their tools. And they have also uh, initiated social listening. So we love Prowly for monitoring. I'm catching so much stuff, you guys, like features we didn't know. Um, for some reason, Google did not catch it. Any mentions from influencers or celebrities, brand ambassadors that are being shared on social they're catching it now. And all of that comes together with data. And part of it could be sentiment, you know, positive, negative, neutral. Um, you know, you can share that metric. There's a lot of really cool things that you can demonstrate to clients with 
these analytics, um, you know, like a study that they've conducted, you can leverage that in a pitch. Or maybe it's just uh, research that has been conducted by another company in your niche or a data firm that's in your niche. So it comes out, your client didn't necessarily pay for it, but they can weigh in on it as it relates to how their brand, their founder, their product, their position fits in with that current relevant data. Um, as long as you have proven statistics to back up your claims, excuse me, you can use data in your PR initiatives. So we had Karina in our group. She's had good success with this strategy. She let us know that she created two original reports, one based on a survey that she ran for her client and another one based on the client's own data. And she managed to secure some good coverage thanks to these reports. So she's pulling it together, compiling it, summarizing it, and presenting it to the media in a digestible way. And then Lakeisha, she also uses this strategy and has had similar results. She will leverage studies, data, research to connect her pitch whether that's local or national, she will subscribe to medical journals, nonprofit email lists, so she can stay on top of research and leverage studies and data research in PR pitches that will help boost credibility, ensure the message resonates with the target audience. And this evidence-based approach that we're talking about not only differentiates the pitch, but provides those decision makers with concrete information to support their choices. And she summarized, journalists love data. Yes, they do. So these are two examples, but it could be an email to the customer list. It could be a social media post um, that had some good traction. Um, you would certainly want to let the media know what kind of study you conducted. Um, my client, Omnilux, they are the only LED company that has conducted their own peer-reviewed clinical trials. And that gives them a lot of credibility, but unfortunately, the findings that are published, multiple studies published in medical journals, are also being leveraged by their competitors because there are independent findings, a peer-reviewed um, you know, board that, that's been published in a medical journal. Now it is found as um, you know, useful data about the efficacy of LED, but not all LED is created equal. There's still a range of lights and light colors and the impact they have. A lot of companies are using those findings that my client, you know, put their own study uh, and peer-reviewed published studies and they're leveraging that data to show LED helps with these skincare concerns. You know, it's more impactful because our client is the one that actually initiated the study. They've done multiple, like 20 or so over the years. Um, but if you see that other companies are publishing studies and it's ultimate findings and it is a neutral third party doing the study, leverage that data and use it in your pitches. And bonus points, if it is really new information that just um, was published, um, 
you know, yeah, just if it's current, it will start to get a lot of traction so that you can pounce on anything that's new that's relevant to your client. Um, so with data-driven PR, analytics will drive the decision-making. You'll rely on data to de decide whether you should move forward with a certain um, strategy or an initiative or a pitch idea. Like if your client's website analytics are showing a lot of traffic coming from social, coming from Instagram and TikTok, not much from X, formerly Twitter, or YouTube, you know that Instagram and TikTok is working. So maybe your next social media campaign will um, kind of weigh heavily on those platforms and maybe not spend as much time developing content for the other platforms that aren't performing as well. Or maybe you will leverage influencers that have a huge following on those platforms in order to amplify the message. You could say, you know, somebody that has a huge YouTube channel, YouTube doesn't convert for us, but Instagram and TikTok, we want influencers that can move the needle with their large following on those platforms. The data will also show you what resonates with your client's audience and what drives them away from your launches. So if a certain influencer collaboration, like I said, it led to a ton of affiliate traffic, clicks, um, purchases, you know, that's really helpful if you have access to their Google Analytics, or sometimes clients will develop a unique UTM uh, URL, like UTM code that you can give to an influencer to track the analytics of that link, or looking at share sale analytics, um, that is really informative to decide if you want to continue to focus on influencer partnerships. Maybe there was a podcast guest um, and the interview was great, but it didn't really move the needle on traffic and awareness and sales and positive sentiment. Maybe that's not a tactic you want to lean into more, right? Um, so before I jump in, I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about my Lovely, wonderful Magic Minds. It tastes so good. So uh, for me, it's like this subtly sweet kind of pineapple-y flavor with a little bit of a kick. And I love the ingredients in this because I know that there are uh, there are benefits that are immediate and then also prolonged. So it gives me mental energy and focus when I need to really sustain my clarity and creative thinking for the whole day. Um, I drink a coffee in the morning and it will really help kind of improve how coffee hits in the morning and I drink less coffee because of Magic Mind. And because I'm not drinking so much caffeine with the coffee, I've been sleeping better, which is like the number one topic of discussion in my household is how'd you sleep last night? I slept great. And I'm realizing I'm not drinking as much coffee. I don't feel jittery and I don't have anxiety. I mean, I have anxiety with other things going on in the world, but just the jittery feeling that contributed to the anxiety. So that's what I love about this. I feel better in the mornings because I'm more energized from getting a good night's sleep. Um, and I'll just tell you about a couple ingredients that I really love that I have been, um, kind of, uh, integrating into some of my supplements over the years. Uh, matcha, 
It's um, kind of like a nature's caffeine. It's got this extended release aspect and it takes longer to release so it's more sustained and then it helps to reduce stress because you're not jittery from caffeine. And then ashwagandha, which has been around for thousands of years um, and it's an adaptogen that really helps reduce stress and anxiety. I've been taking ashwagandha powder and honestly, it's pretty disgusting. This tastes so good. So I love that I'm getting something that is an adaptogen I know works that isn't vile. <laughs> I got a big thing of it for me and my husband and I'm like, I got ashwagandha. He's like, oh, I've been hearing about that. And he's like, this is terrible. I can't, you know, I cannot stomach this. This is delicious. The other thing is um, lion's mane and cordyceps, which you might have heard of. They're mushrooms that um, are nootropic adaptogens. There's a lot of like um, uh, neurohacking, biohacking. They talk about this a lot. So um, this is uh, other adaptogens that will help reduce inflammation, strengthen your immune system. Who doesn't need that right now? We love um, anything that is an adaptogen that helps with your immune system. So love Magic Mind. If you want to try it, you can go to their website, um, www.magicmind.com slash pitching ph. They created an exclusive code for me. Um, and that will take you right there where you get um, up to 56% off your subscription. And for the next 10 days with my code, PitchingPH20, that will be good forever for 20% off. So try it. Let me know what you think. I love this. It is like when they reached out to me, um, we were like, oh, heck yeah, this is so up my alley. So I'm so glad that they found us and wanted to um, connect with our audience. You know, I love productivity and I love all things. I mean, we're moms, we're running businesses, we're going all over. I'm walking the dog. I live in the hill. It's exhausting. So, I mean, I'm like at the end of every day and I don't get that caffeine crash. Um, so anything that just helps me be the best business owner, the best service provider to my clients, the most checked in parent I can be make a healthy dinner because I still have energy. I'm all about it. And so that is what Magic Mind has helped me do. So check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, back to my three pieces of uh, strategy for you to use data to create pitches and campaigns. So number one, you can build a story around your data. Data-driven PR, it's not just about numbers. All of your usual pitch writing strategies apply here. All the stuff, the fundamentals that we talk about in the pitch lab, you need to include all of that, you know, compelling, engaging story, but you can turn the data into that, something that will resonate with journalists. Your story needs to be tailored to the media contact, just like always targeted, tailored media pitches. Um, and obviously, you know, we always talk about tailoring it to their publication, the beat, the audience. Um, but you want to think about how your client's product, their event, their service, um, you know, or this study or whatever, but how data ties into that and why it matters to the media. What's the why? What are they getting out of this? What, what are the readers getting out of this? So think about what story your data is telling. 
Um, we know an intriguing statistic. That's great. You know, we love like a catchy, you know, 72% of all blah, blah, blah will result in blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, that's crazy. That's attention getting. But if there's no substance behind it, there's no bigger picture, it's not going to land. So how can you zoom out and use that stat to tell a wider reaching story? Something about your niche, maybe your client's impact on their industry, um, or instead of going that kind of 30,000 foot view, zoom way in and tell a story of how that data or that statistic will impact your client's brand in a particular way and how they've used that data in their business. So when you think about it like that, you go kind of broad, 30,000 foot view or like really granular, the story possibilities start to unfold. And there are many, you know, you just need to make sure that they're actually relevant and engaging to the media. Um, and Carissi, who is a very um, consistent contributor to our communities, always with the great info, um, Chrissy posted this awesome tip in our Facebook group. She says, I've traditionally led with data whenever possible. And I tend to lean into negative data to demonstrate the problem that viewers or readers are struggling with. And she will then position her client as the way to ease that struggle. It's so smart, right? So it's not just a piece of information, right? Like, so she'll say, for example, unresolved grief in the workplace costs U.S. companies $72 million per year. And then she'll come back and then position her client's expertise as the one who can teach their audience how to address the grief, how to save money and retain employees. Genius, right? Um, number two, target the best media contacts for your clients. Of course, we always know targeted, targeted. But journalists, they're busy. They're busier than ever. We say that all the time, but it is like truly... Um, so much is on them. They're producing more with less time, fewer resources. They don't need inboxes full of irrelevant pitches. Make it easier on them by using your client's data to target specific media contacts in your niche that will connect with that data. Like if you're building a story around really compelling affiliate data from your client, don't send that pitch off to just anyone. You want to send it... <laughs> to commerce editors, which never really existed before. They used to be like market editors or beauty, lifestyle, fashion. Now there are commerce editors or even better, an e-commerce editor that specializes in your client's niche. They are looking for affiliate opportunities to build revenue for their publication. That is their job. And they're looking to do it in a way that is organic so that they are connecting with their readers and they're not look they're not losing trust because they're pushing something that maybe they'll get a huge commission but it's not core to what their audience wants to know about or they've never tested it or vetted it and they're just recommending some garbage they will quickly lose trust with their audience so you want to leverage affiliate data to really show these commerce editors that your client's product on these platforms are going to earn them money. That's their job. So make sure you're pitching to the right person. You know, um, it might not resonate with a, uh, 
you know, like a features editor or like a, you know, newsroom editor, like it's not going to land. So they're going to be annoyed that you're sending them that it's not relevant to them. If your client is seeing more and more success with podcasts, we love podcasts, podcast hosts and producers like me, we love to see engagement stats when somebody pitches us to be a guest on the show. That way we know that that pitch, that person has a dedicated audience that is going to gain them listeners and engagement. The more you pitch the media, the more data you'll gather on which outlets gain clients the most traffic, uh, the most you know c- conversions, um, and then which don't cover your clients as much or which ones um, don't really move the needle. And I always ask clients when I first start working with them, you know, what has been, like, if you've done PR in the past, what has really moved the needle for you? What have been some of the best features and opportunities you've had? So you can see uh, which outlets, you know, kind of fall flat and not really spend time over there. Um, and you can also, uh, you know, think about the publications that are consistent, consistently covering your clients or their industries and find a new way to connect with those uh, journalists. So you can use that data to craft a list of go-to editors for pitches. And we love niching down because then you can really invest in these relationships, but you will see that these are the relationships you really need to focus on and to cultivate. So send them targeted pitches, support them in and out of the office, um, connect with them on on all of your social platforms where they're particularly active on social. Um, If a certain publication isn't really moving the needle for your client or maybe isn't picking up your pitches regarding one of your clients, try switching up the strategy with them. Um, If you try new tactics and nothing seems to work, move on because you're spending a lot of effort on something that's like really low ROI. You want to spend that um, energy better somewhere else. So keep the relationship intact. Just because they didn't connect with one of your clients, it doesn't mean that they won't connect with another. But that sort of like, I've pitched this publication so many times and it's just not happening. Um, You know, sometimes you can say, well, We'll give it a try another time, but I'm going to take my effort for this client and go where I know it's going to land and I'll move the needle. Another member of our Facebook group, Everlyn Salong, uh, says she always uses data to help her get the most targeted results for her clients. I use it to justify media selection. Um, Where are the eyes and the ears? Data gives her that information. Then where is my target audience? Data. Um, Where do they intersect? Again, data. And I demonstrate that my pitch isn't a guesstimate. It's It's a precision art. I love that. If they change any of these, they'll get a different outcome. And it may not be bad, just different. So again, I ask clients to define their goals and be double sure that it's what they want. And then she'll deliver because she's looking at um, you know, who are their target audience and where are the eyeballs? Where are they paying attention? And she'll look for that specific intersection using data. So it's a great um, real life use of that. Number three, we um, are going to say, walk away from something that isn't working, step away and pivot 
and move in the direction towards what is working. So you want to keep up with your client's data, you know, have an eye out for the latest developments right after a campaign launch. And when you have nothing on the horizon, you can use new data trends that will pop up last minute. Like we have Lakeisha who's looking at, um, you know, medical journals published and things like that, that you can get something and pivot immediately. You can catch wind of something, pivot accordingly. And if you randomly see an uptick in traffic regarding a certain product, you can jump immediately into figuring out where it's coming from. What is causing this jump? This is how a lot of products tend to kind of bubble on TikTok. And brands will start to say, like, what is happening here? You know, like this happened with Clinique's um, uh, Black Honey. It's been around forever. It's like a lip balm and it looks black and you put it on and it's just this beautiful raspberry color that's flattering on everyone. Um, and it started to go gangbusters again on TikTok. And it started to kind of bubble under the surface before it, you know, went really viral. So if you can talk about things going viral before they are widely known or bubble to the surface. Um, the other way that we're tracking that is exploding topics. That's another kind of catch the trends. Just they're looking at search data, volume, what, uh, what results are being returned and what specifically um, people are looking for. And um, exploding topics will give you some of those insights early so you can start to pitch a trend as it's coming up. Um, you know, maybe an influencer shouted out your project. Maybe it's not SponCon, sponsored content, but it's organic. And that opens up the door to future collaborations that'll resonate with both of your audiences. And we've had clients specifically tell us they don't want to work with influencers that have never engage with their company or haven't loved their products. They want it to be, you know, they're willing to pay for more involvement, but it has to be someone who is genuinely a fan. And so the, um, the content feels really trustworthy and organic, even if it, it, it starts as non-sponsored content and then leads to that. And then on the flip side, downward trends will immediately let you know what's not working. So if you and your clients start experimenting with different social media platforms, different post styles, you can monitor the engagement and see what's re resonating with the audience and ditch what isn't. So what works on one platform, try it on another. It may not work there, or maybe it doesn't work on one. And you're like, well, this is a good piece of content. Let's see if it works somewhere else play around with it a little bit, but seeing where the engagement is growing will help you land on um, the types of content and refine your messaging based on what posts will get traction, go viral, um, and which ones just sat there with crickets. They didn't make a splash. Don't do that anymore. Um, that's really informative because it'll kind of save you time as you're building out content and then the results start to cumulatively improve because you're cutting out the, the low performers. Um, and then I promised you we would talk about client reports and how to include data in your client reports. As It's a lot easier for your clients to understand your impact and see the value of PR when you have stats to back you up. You can report 
trends in website traffic. That's you know going to require them to give you access to Google Analytics, but super easy. Um, you can look at those affiliate links or the code usage. Um, you can look at how things are performing through ShareASale, press placement impressions, pitch conversions. It can be measured in numbers, um, or I should say, if it can be measured in numbers, just put it in your report. And the more proof of your success, the better. And don't just report your data in a long list of numbers because that is like not impressive. It's not visually compelling. You can create a fun graph or a chart or um, screenshots of your most successful posts or campaigns. Um, we have in our social media reports, we'll grab the top three performing posts and we'll grab the lowest performers and kind of talk about why we think that. We'll summarize it for the client so that they aren't having to cull through the data themselves and make conclusions. We'll let them know we have come to these conclusions and this is how we're integrating it moving forward. Um, and just become, because numbers can be a bit boring, it doesn't mean that reports should be boring. Add some visual interest, get your client excited about what you're sharing with them, um, excited about your partnership, and really visually connect to the impact you're making in their business. And don't be afraid to report downward trends either. Things like drop-off in affiliate code use, maybe a lack of conversions from a certain collaboration, or a downward trend in feature impressions, that is all going to influence your decisions on your strategy, where you're pitching, what you're pitching, moving forward. So clients do need to know about them. The key here, the most important part of reporting negative trends is to reframe them positively. So explain to your client how you're using this data to shift your plans and adapt to their audience wants and needs or adapt to uh, lean more heavily into the things that are having a greater impact. Um, we also have heard from a member who is using data to help secure new clients. So Bridget Lyons shared in the Facebook group that she uses data to show prospective clients the kinds of results they can expect from working with her. This is where we're also including it on our end in case studies, um, certain growth or um, you know year-over-year -year growth or social media uh, follower growth, um, revenue growth, you know things like that. She said that she created a database to log and track all of our pitches over time. Um, and she added, this is so cool, she added angle tags for each pitch. And she was able to report back to her clients their booking rate, which is the percentage of media that they pitched and that picked them up. And then also see what specific angle is performing the best. Um, and they will report that. And this approach really helps immensely with our sales calls because we always know, you will get this question, how do you track ROI? How are you noting the success of your campaign? Um, you know, helping clients establish what success looks like for them early on is going to 
give you a clear sense of what you should be focusing on and make sure they're happy with the results. Like you could be crushing it and they'll say, well, we didn't, you know, think this is great. And it's because expectations are not aligned. I talk about this all the time, but this is great because she's able to show a prospective client that they have a process by which they are tracking the success of their pitches and certain angles. And they can then use that same approach for this prospective client. So it's going to be easier to demonstrate ROI. And it's going to be easier to quickly see the impact of her efforts and do more of that and kind of, you know, cut off the things that just are like duds right away. Um, And that is a way to show clients that you understand that metrics matter, that ROI matters, and you're going to have a way to show that to them. So that's what I have for you guys today. Thank you so much as always for being here. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week um, and take great care. Bye guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pitching Powerhouse podcast. If you're ready to up-level your pitching skills so that you can provide stellar services to your clients, you should think about joining the Pitch Lab. Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. So the Pitch Lab is this awesome, incredible monthly membership experience where you will get the proven formula for crafting PR pitches that actually convert and get tons of strategic, timely pitch angles so you never run out of pitch ideas again. Oh, and you also get access to incredible monthly execution plans that save you hours of time and include irresistible pitch angles that the media cannot ignore. With relevant and timely strategies and topics for PR coverage during current events, holidays, monthly awareness observances, (laughs) say that fast three times, seasonal events, and more, you'll be able to create PR content that makes your clients stand out, even if you are new to PR. So check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, be sure to tune into next week for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.